Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, whether it's a traditional hard copy or on your tablet or on your phone, and I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 2, okay? We're going to continue this study as we are gleaning through the book of Nehemiah, and what we're studying is how Nehemiah did God's work, God's way for God's glory, and that's how what we ought, that's kind of the theme for the series and how we ought to be applying that to our lives as we're carrying out our mission, our goal, uh, for what God has placed on our hearts to do. And that's what gets us out of bed every single morning. Amen? Uh, so here we see Nehemiah. I want you to look in Nehemiah chapter 1. That's where we were uh, camping last week. This week we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2. Now each week I'm going to send out... Uh, actually, uh, Brad had a great idea last week. And he said, hey, why don't you send us out the text that you're going to be speaking from. And we can read it and kind of be ready for it. And so I hope you're getting, getting those uh, text messages. If you did not receive a text message from me this week with that scripture, hold your hand up. Did ever, you did not. Okay, anybody else? All right, so we've got to be sure that we have a, cell, a good cell phone number uh, to plug into our system. Okay? Uh, so um, we will work on that, George. We'll get that to you. Anybody else? Everybody else get it? Okay. All right. So we got to get in our system and work on that. So help spread the word. If, if folks are not receiving that, we don't have a, the cell phone number plugged into our system to be able to get those texts from me. Okay. So Nehemiah chapter number two, in this particular passage of scripture, we're really talking about, remember last week when I shared with you about Nehemiah? And uh, I spoke with you at the end of the message how there comes a point in our life where we have to get off of our knees and get on our feet and put some things into action. Okay? So that's where we are here in, in, or in Acts, in Nehemiah chapter number 2. We're at the place now where, where Nehemiah has spent time praying, he's spent time planning, and now he's putting some things into, into actions. A lot of times we as Christian believers, we like to just continue to spiritualize everything and just pray about it and keep praying about it and keep praying about it. And it's almost like the Lord said, I've already given you permission to do that. Go do it, right? But we stay there and just continue to pray. So hopefully this message will help you. And it's really how to step out on faith. I want to share with you nine different steps. Now, I won't have time to unpack all of these in depth, okay? But I want to real quickly, out of Nehemiah chapter number two, I want to give you about nine particular steps on how to put things in action, how to step out on faith, how to carry out that plan that God has for you in your life. And we'll see it in the journal of Nehemiah. Now, if you remember last week, I shared with you all we're doing is gleaning from Nehemiah's journal. 
And I love that. Uh, I love to journal. I hope you love to journal and write some things down and what you feel God is doing in your heart and in your life. And that's exactly what we find here in Nehemiah. In the first part of the book, we really just see his journal. And uh, that's what we're gleaning from here in these messages uh, for the next several weeks. So Nehemiah chapter number 2 is where we're going to start. And I'm not going to start with reading the entire text to you. Uh, so we'll just jump into this. But I do want to start with prayer, okay? Father, we do thank you for the privilege to come into your presence, and we do depend completely on the Holy Spirit of God. Father, we're nothing without you, and and we pray, God, that you, the author of the book, would illuminate the words, the principles in this particular book that we're studying. Give us understanding. The Word of God is so spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit's job is to illuminate it. It's our job to get our hearts and our minds and our ears in tune with what it is you would have for us to receive today. And Father, I just pray this will be a, an encouraging message to all of us as we, as we look at these steps that Nehemiah went through. And Father, I ask your blessings on our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you these nine steps, okay? So let's jump into it real quickly. This is how to put your faith into action, okay? It's time to get off your knees. It's time to get on your feet. It's time to move forward and put your prayer into action, okay? What it is you feel God's calling you to do. Now, this is what we all can use in our own individual lives in the year 2016 for our families, for our church. All of this is very applicable to every single one of us, okay? So here we go. Step number one. In order to put our Feet into action and do what it is God's called us to do. Number one, when taking action, you got to plan, you got to pray, and you got to trust God. Now, I want you to look, if you will, in Nehemiah chapter number two. It says, during the month of Nisan. Now, Nisan is the month of about the month of April for us. Okay? Now, if you look back in Nehemiah chapter number one, it says, during the month of Chislev. Now, Chislev on the Hebrew calendar for us, is about the month, about mid-November into December. Okay, So here what you have taken place, you see that Nehemiah, in his journal, he's taken about four to five months to pray. Matter of fact, we know as a recap from last week what he's praying about, right? He asked about what? Talk to me, church. He asked about what? The status of who? Jerusalem. Okay? He was asking about his people. And he said... Tell me, how are the people doing? How are things there? You remember Ezra, right, the priest? He went back about 50 years earlier to go back and rebuild the temple. Now, let me ask you a question from last week. This is a test, okay? Had Nehemiah ever been to Jerusalem? No. How far away did he live from Jerusalem? About a thousand miles, okay? He lived about a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. He had never been there. He was a Jew. It was his homeland. And he was concerned about the spiritual well-being, the physical well-being. He was concerned about the city. He was concerned about that. So he asked some questions. And once he found out that the walls were in shambles, that the people were devastated, in Nehemiah chapter 1, recap, what did he do? He wept, Right? He was weeping over their status. He went into a season of mourning. He went into a time of prayer and, talk to me, church, fasting, right? So he took seriously the condition of Jerusalem. 
Now, that's what leads us here now to chapter 2, where it says that some four or five months later now, in his journal, Nehemiah's writing, and he says now, we can see what his first step is. He's taken time to plan, to pray, and to trust God. Now, guys, as we start getting serious about our faith, as we start getting serious about our walk with the Lord, as we get serious about leading our families and leading our church and, and living out ministry within the four walls of our church, then we're going to take some time to get on our face before God in prayer and fasting and trusting the Lord and getting His will and His plan for our life, right? But then there comes a time when you got to get up and move forward, and that's what we're going to see in the rest of chapter number 2. But I want you to see step number 1 in stepping out on faith And living out that plan that God has for us is that we've got to plan, we've got to pray, and we've got to trust the Lord. Okay? Step number two, I want you to jump real quickly into verse number two and three. When you are afraid to serve, this is it, serve anyway. Now let me ask you, is sometimes living out God's plan for your life fearful? Yeah. There's moments when, yes, we are going to be afraid, right? I want you to look in verse number two. Actually, let's begin in verse 1. During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King um, Artaxerxes, at the Xerxes, I'm sorry about that, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king, and I had never been sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but depression. And look at the next verse of Scripture, the next passage, the latter part of verse 2. I was overwhelmed with what? You give me the word. What? Fear. I was overwhelmed with fear. Is it fearful sometimes living out God's plan for our life? Sometimes it is. You remember I shared with you last week that Nehemiah could have stayed in his comfort zone. He could have continued just being the king's cupbearer. He had a very good career, right? He had a very good status, if you will, in the community. He probably got paid very well for it. Now, I don't know that I'd want the job, right, whenever you know what the job of a cupbearer is. In other words, you taste it and be sure it's not poisonous, right, before I taste it. That's basically what his job was, right? Are you with me, church? You guys seem, I don't know, like you're not even here this morning. Are you here? I know it's cold outside, but it's warm in here. This is the Lord's day. Stay connected with me, okay? So now he was before the king, and get this, the king... To come before the king sad or in a depressive state meant even your life. And Nehemiah knew that he was going to have to be asking for some things and move in a particular direction. But he was afraid. It says, I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king. May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Now let me ask you a question. Who was it that destroyed the gates of the city by fire? Artaxerxes, the king. He was the very one that had stopped the progression of rebuilding the kingdom or, or the walls of Jerusalem initially. He was the one that said, no, we're not going to rebuild Jerusalem. So here you have now Nehemiah before the king, somewhat afraid. So Whenever we're living out our will or or God's will for our life, 
and we're getting off of our knees. We feel we have direction from the Lord. We've spent some time planning. We're trusting the Lord. We've spent time in prayer and fasting. And now it's time to move forward. Sometimes that's a fearful time. But I want you to see that Nehemiah did great things for the Lord. But he was also, it says, if you will, he was overwhelmed with fear. So my point is this. When afraid to serve, serve anyway. Okay? When it seems that you're overcome with fear, serve anyway. Because the Lord is certainly going to be with you, right? I want you to look in um, Isaiah chapter 43. You don't have to turn there. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 43 and verse number 2. It says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. So God has given us a promise. Listen, I am going to be with you. When you pass through the waters, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. In other words, he's saying, I am going to be there to protect you, to watch over you, to care for you. And so we need to trust in the Lord. Okay? So number two, when I'm afraid to serve, serve anyway. Number three, get this one. When told to speak, pray first. Now I want you to look, if you will, in verses four and verse number five. Then the king, and I love this part. Then the king asked me. What is your request? So here you have Nehemiah before the king. He has a sad countenance. He's somewhat afraid because he knows what God's plan is for him. Remember, he's been spending how long in prayer and fasting and planning? Four to five months. Okay, he's been spending in this prayer time and fasting and planning. And now he's before the king. His countenance is sad. He is overwhelmed with fear. And the king says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? What is the request that you have of me? Now, would you think that a great biblical character like Nehemiah that we all look to to learn from him, don't you think he would boldly stand there before the king and declare the request that God had laid on his heart? No, he didn't. I, want you, I don't want you to miss this because I think sometimes we can if we look at it too quickly. The king asked me, what is your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah, haven't you already prayed? Yeah. Nehemiah had spent four or five months praying. He had spent time fasting. He had spent time getting God's plan and purpose for his life and getting it laid out. And he had spent a lot of time in planning. And he knew what it is he needed to request. And remember last step? When afraid, serve anyway. And Nehemiah was, had some fear in his heart. And so the king says, Nehemiah, what is it that you want of me? Nehemiah probably did something like this. Lord, help me. God, help me. I'm getting ready to share with him the request. When I share with him the request, he could, by all accounts, kill me on the spot. What I'm about to ask for is not only political suicide, it's suicide bottom line. I could be killed for what I'm about to request from the king. You guys getting this? So he has a little bit of fear. He's before the king. The king says, Nehemiah, what do you request of me? Lord, help me. And then there he goes. You ever been there? You ever done that? Can we relate with that? 
I know I can, and hopefully you can, but whenever we're getting off of our knees and onto our feet and we're ready to move and step out on faith, I want you to know sometimes it can be overwhelming. Sometimes it can be fearful. It was for Nehemiah, but serve anyway. And when asked to speak, pray first. That's the point. When asked to speak, pray first. And here we find Nehemiah. So I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so I may rebuild it. Number four is this. Number four, I want you to get this. When sacrifice calls for the best, volunteer. When sacrifice calls for the best, volunteer. Now I want you to look. He says, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. Now notice Nehemiah didn't say send someone else. He said send me. Send me so that I may rebuild it. You know what Nehemiah did? He said, I volunteer. I volunteer to lead this mission. I volunteer to step out and go to Judah. I volunteer to go back and lead the mission of rebuilding the walls. So that's all I want you to see there. When sacrifice calls for the best, step out. But you'll say, well, I'm not an Isaiah, where Isaiah said, oh, Lord, send me. Right? You say, I'm not even a Nehemiah. And you may look at history and you say, I'm not a William Carey or I'm not a Lottie Moon. But you are you. And God has a plan for you. And you need to discern what that is. And we need to spend time in prayer and fasting and on our face before God and discerning what is God's plan for me in the year 2016. And then once we know that plan and once we've spent time in prayer, we've got to get up and now we've got to step out on faith. And you will come to this point where you're overcome with fear. And when you're overcome with fear, serve anyway. And when you're getting ready to speak and when you're getting ready to serve and you're getting ready to share what it is that God has on your heart. You may need to whisper a prayer just like Nehemiah did. Lord, help me. I don't know what he said, but he had already spent four to five months in prayer and fasting. And here he is before the king and he's getting ready to share the request. And the king says, Nehemiah, what is it? And the Bible says that he prayed. I can't help but think that he whispered, God, here I go. I'm doing this. Help me. Protect me. Lead me. Empower me. Whatever it is. Pray, and now I volunteer. I want to be, or I'm going to be, that person, okay? So when sacrifice calls for the best, step up and volunteer. Don't look for someone else to do it. God's called you to do it, right? He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a calling for you. He has a mission for every single one of us. We don't have to meander through the year 2016 wondering what that is. We can move forward with that. Number five, I want you to get this one. When the task is big, plan big and ask in faith. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 6, down through verse number 8. We're just gleaning from his journal. When the task is big, pray big and ask in faith. The king and the queen seated beside him ask me, How long will your journey take? And when will you return? So I gave him a definite time. And I found that very intriguing. I gave him a definite time. Nehemiah had already planned this thing out. He had already planned out what rebuilding the walls would look like. He had already put a time frame to it. 
So how long would the journey take? So I gave him a definite time, and it pleased the king to send me. Look at verse 7. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River so that they will grant me safe passage. And I find this amazing. I mean, he's asking for some big things, right? He says, first of all, I want you, remember when the task is big, plan big and ask for big things. This is what Nehemiah is doing now. He says, I would like for you to send the letter to all the governors of the region so they will allow me safety and passage. In other words, I need some protection when I step out on this journey. Have your seal of approval on what I'm about to do. And, he says in verse 8, everybody say, and. This is, this is where he's asking for bigger things, okay? He's already asked for protection in verse 8. And let me have a letter written to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest. Get this. So he may give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple fortress, the city wall. And by the way, I need a place to live, a home where I can live. Guys, do you see that? I don't know about you, but that blows me away. That's a pretty big request, is it not? Nehemiah standing before the king says, here's what I need. Right? When the task is big, plan big. I remember back years ago, I was at a pastor's conference. And one of the pastors preaching, and I'll never, I'll never, I can't remember who it was that was speaking, but I'll never forget what was said because it really pierced my heart. And he said this, and it was at a pastor's conference, and he was trying to encourage pastors to dream big and think big and, and, and try to step out on faith and do some things for the Lord. And, and he said this statement. He said this. He said, guys, it's just as easy to shoot for the eagles as it is the skunks. I don't know if that means anything to you, but here's what it meant for me. Lift your eyes up. Pray for big things. Ask for big things. We serve a big God. Step out on faith. And follow him. And that's what we find Nehemiah doing. He's already asked now for these letters. I need a letter to every governor of the region. And what's going to take place is this. The governors now are going to give me safety and passage whenever I pass through going back to Judah or back to Jerusalem. And by the way, I also need letter, a letter to Asaph, which is in charge of all the building material. And I need all the material to build the gates, to build the wall. And by the way, I'm going to need a place to live. I need to build me a house. I need all the material to build a house. Now, what would you think if you walked into Menards? And you said, okay, God's laid on my heart. Now, maybe in the Menards is not necessarily the king that has the authority to do what he was requesting. But to try to put it in context... You feel God's calling you to go build something. And you walk in there and you say, hey, I need a letter from you that gives me complete authority to get all the building supplies I need to build the church, to build whatever, and to build me a house. That's what I need. That's a huge request, is it not? I need a letter from your king that as I travel, I'm going to be safe. A letter written to all the governors. And I need a letter to the building supply guy that I can get all the building materials that I need to build the temple walls, to build the city wall, and to have a home where I could live. That sounds like a plan to me, does it not? 
I mean, Nehemiah's been thinking this thing out. He's been on his face before the Lord. And so my point is simply this. When the task is big, plan big. Ask for big things. And ask in faith. Let me give you number six here. Step number six, whenever we're stepping out on faith, getting off of our knees and getting onto our feet and putting things into motion is this. I love this one. When God wants you, don't imitate someone else. When God wants you, don't imitate someone else. I want you to look in verse number nine. He says, I went to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also, in addition to what I requested, in addition to a letter just to let me travel through, in addition to the letter to get all the building resources that I need, in addition to that, the Bible says the king also sent officers of the infantry and the cavalry with me. I mean, he's got nearly half, if you will, of the Persian army going with him on this mission. Now, here's my point. Go back to the point there. When God is calling you, don't imitate someone else. Be you. Now, what I mean by that is Nehemiah knew that some 50 years earlier that Ezra had gone back to rebuild the temple. But Ezra went by himself. So Nehemiah didn't set out to do what Ezra was doing. He didn't even go out with the same mindset or the same thought process that Ezra went out with. So my point is this. When God wants you, don't imitate someone else. I remember early on, whenever I got into ministry, there was a particular pastor back in the day that all the pastors in our area looked up to. And we all did our very best To preach like him, to act like him, to walk like him, to talk like him, to dress like him. And I know you're probably looking at me and you say, well, that's pretty carnal and worldly, don't you think? Well, that's just a young preacher trying to discover who he is. Are you with me? You've probably been there too, not in the role of a pastor, but in the role of someone you look up to in your career path or maybe in the community. And I'm not saying trying to imitate some guys. We all should have some heroes. But my point is this. When God calls you to do something, he's called you to do it. If he wanted me to do it, he'd call me to do it. If he wanted someone else to do it, he'd call someone else to do it. But he wants you to do it. So my point is simply this. Be you, right? Be comfortable in your own skin. Are we in church? Don't try to imitate someone else. That was huge for me early on in, in my ministry, in my life. When I got to the place where I could be comfortable just being John Cannon. When I realized that God had called John to do the ministry and the mission that God wanted John to do, not anyone else. So that may not mean anything to you. That jumped off the page at me in my life. So whenever God is calling you to do something, don't imitate someone else. Just be you. Amen? Number seven, let me give you this one. When opposition comes, and by the way, opposition will come. Whenever you're stepping out on faith to do God's will, there will be some opposition from the world, from the enemies, and even from those on your, that you thought were on your team. Even from those out of the same camp may cause you some opposition. 
By the way, we should not be surprised when that happens, right? It's called life. It's called the Christian life. Even Nehemiah had the same oppositions that a lot of times we are faced with. So whenever opposition comes, the best thing we can do is close our mouth and open our eyes. And what do I mean by that? Well, I want you to look in verse number 10 and follow. And I'm going to read a few verses here. In verse number 10, it says, When Samballot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, official heard that someone had come to seek the well-being of the Israelites, they were greatly displeased. So here we have Sanballat and Tobiah. They're upset. They're displeased that someone is coming back to check on Israel. And after I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. Now pay attention to his journal. This is Nehemiah writing. He knows there's some cats that are disappointed and upset that he's coming back to Jerusalem. He knows that everybody's not in favor of what he's about to do. He's aware that he has some opposition. Okay? So what does he do? Does he get out and go fight those that oppose him? That's not what he's doing. He, go back to my point. You don't have to go back on the screen to my point, but remember the point. When the opposition comes, keep your mouth closed and keep your eyes open. Right? Are you with me? Look at what he's doing here. And after he arrived in Jerusalem in verse 11... And I'd been there three days. I got up at night and took a few men with me. And I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. And the only animal I took was the one I was riding. And I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's well and the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gate that had been destroyed by fire. And I went on to the fountain gate, to the king's pool. But farther down it it became too narrow for my animal to go through. So I went up at night by way of the valley and inspected the wall. And then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. For I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest of those who would be doing the work. Nehemiah knew there was opposition. But he kept his mouth closed and his eyes wide open and he went on with the mission. And the Bible says he got up at night, took a few men with him, and he started riding around the walls. Getting a good visual for the task at hand. Now guys, apply that to your life in whatever way you need to apply that to your life. And I don't know what oppositions you may be having in your life or who or what set of circumstances may be opposing or standing maybe between you and the goal that you feel God's calling you to to reach. But here's what you need to do. Just keep your eyes focused on the target and the mission. That's what Nehemiah did. He did not allow himself to be distracted with those who opposed what he felt God was calling him to do. He studied what? Talk to me, church. What was he studying that night? It's in your Bible. What was he studying? The walls, right? He was studying the gates and the walls. Well, what was that? It was the task. It was the mission that God had called him. So my point is this. What was he focusing on? The mission. The task. 
And guys, that's what we got to focus on. There is always, get this, there is always going to be opposition. Don't be distracted by the opposition. Nehemiah wasn't. He stayed focused on the mission. Let me give you another one. Matter of fact, let me give you an illustration here. And it's talking, and the illustration is going to illustrate on how we need to maintain focus. And Phil Pantovich, you will love this. I thought about you because you're a, for whatever reason, and God love you for it, he is a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, right? Don't you pull for the Cowboys? Yeah. Did they, they didn't play yesterday, did they? No. <laughs> That's all right. They're getting ready for next year. But he's a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, so I thought about that. Let, let me read this. This is from Jimmy Johnson and him writing about focus. And Jimmy Johnson, for those that don't know it, at one time was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Let me read what, what I read about him. And this is in 1993 when the Dallas Cowboys were in the, in the Super Bowl game. And he says this. As he prepared to face their opponents in the Super Bowl that year, Johnson told his players, and he said this. If I laid a two-by-four across the floor, everybody here would walk across it and not fall because our focus would be on walking the length of the board. Okay, now visualize this. He's in the locker room. He's with his football team. 1993 Super Bowl. He says, guys, if I lay a two-by-four on the floor and ask every player to walk across it, every single one of you guys would walk across on this two-by-four and not Fall because your focus would be walking on the two before. But he went up, went on and said this. And Johnson went on to say this after he told them they'd walk on it and not fall. But if that same board were ten stories high between two buildings, only a few of you would make it because your focus now is no longer on walking the board. Your focus now is on falling. I thought that was a very good illustration. By the way, did it work? Well, that year the Cowboys went on and won the Super Bowl 52-7. to Yeah, hoorah, right? Right? Why were they able to do that? Because of their focus. Now, I don't know about you. I may fall off a two before walking across it on the ground. I may. I know I would walk across ten store or a ten story building between two buildings. I'm not even going to attempt that. But I think it illustrates a good point. What is it are we focusing on? And Nehemiah here had the opportunity to allow himself to be distracted by the opposition. But he stayed focused on the mission that God was calling him. Let me give you two more and I'll be done. Number eight is this one. When it's time to speak, trust God's people with the truth. When it's time to speak, trust God's people with the truth. I'm just gleaning out of the journal. Look in verse number 17, and we're still reading in Nehemiah's journal. So I said to them, and this is what he had written in his journal. So I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned down. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be a disgrace And I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. And they said, let's start rebuilding. And they were encouraged to do this good work. Now here we see that Nehemiah really didn't sugarcoat anything. Now he hadn't told any of those people at the time what he was going to do, right? He rode around at nighttime. He knew he had opposition. He was surveying the wall. He was focused on the mission. But now it comes time to speak. 
And what he did, he just articulated very well what the mission was and what God had called him to do and going back to rebuild the wall. So when it comes time to speak, we just need to trust God's people with the truth. We don't need to sugarcoat anything. We don't need to to beat around the bush. There's an elephant in the room. We need to talk about the elephant in the room and just be truthful about it, right? That's what we find here in Nehemiah's journal. He just told the people exactly what God had called him to do. Let me give you the last one and I'll be done. When unbelief mocks, stand firm. In verse number 19, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard this, they mocked and despised us and said, What is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And I gave them this reply. The God of heaven is the one who will grant us success. We, his servants, will start building, but you have no share, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. My point is this. There's going to be opposition. And when there is opposition, what you need to do is stand firm on what you feel God's called you to do. Now, the band can come. I'm done. I want to share with you one verse of Scripture. You need to jot this one down. I can't remember if I put it on the slides or not. 1 Corinthians, yes. Thank you, Phil. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Here's your good takeaway verse of Scripture that will help every single one of us. Therefore, my dear brothers, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he told them this, Be steadfast, immovable, always excel in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's a good word of encouragement, I think. Because opposition is going to come. And when opposition does come, we just need to stand firm on what we feel God has called us to do. Right? And knowing that when we do, our labors are not in vain. So what has God called you to do? And are you ready to step out on faith? And I think gleaning from Nehemiah's journal in chapter 2, those are nine different observations that we can see that Nehemiah worked through and that he wrote about and he shared with us in his journal. And I believe all of us can find at least one or two or three of those that are applicable to us. So whatever it is that God has spoken to you about or laid on your heart or revealed to you or showed you this morning, I want you to take that to heart. I want you to move on that. I want you to act on that. Let's all pray together. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Lord, thank you for your word, for the book of Nehemiah. There's so much for us to glean. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit of God will give us the insight, the wisdom, the courage, the boldness to step out and move in the direction that you're leading us. Help the year 2016 for all of us, individually and collectively as families, to be a great year. But help us to do this work your way, for your glory. May you receive honor and praise in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. 
We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.